trying to have to hold my tongue because I know where I've come from. I'm just so upset with uh, the government and the world right now. Comedy. Oh, man, it keeps me fucking grounded and humble. I'm just like... The expectations of me as a person, it depends on the person that you want to see in me, you know? Comedians Exposed, a podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability with your host, Deanna Kobe. Today on Comedians Exposed, we are so excited to have Brooklyn Comedy Royalty with us. This comedian produces the comedy show Smokes and Jokes. The next show is going to be coming up on November 14th. And you can listen to his podcast podcast every Friday night. Yes. So we are so excited to have this extremely funny comedian. Podcast. Yes. Mr. Oheni Cornelius, yeah. welcome to Comedians Exposed. Yo, expose me, man. I'm out, but you don't even know. My pants is just off right now. They are. <laughs> Ooh, pretty wild. <laughs> we are so, so stoked that you're here today. And I wanted to talk first about your pod- podcast. So you guys, if you get a chance, check it out. He kind of just talks about shit that's going on while also reviewing different types of weed so if you guys are connoisseurs of marijuana you know he's your dude how did you come up with this idea uh i smoke weed (laughs) no but i I do the festival smokes and jokes comedy festival and i've been like trying to figure out a way where i don't have to organize so much uh so many people and then also covid hit so it like i wanted to read i wanted to put out more digital content so the podcast just made sense. Like it, it rhymed. I smoke weed and like I have a cast of friends that smokes weed too or like edibles or like, you know, trying to dispel the, the stigma behind marijuana. Like I don't have to smoke every day to smoke weed and have, you know, I have it be a part of my life and also like, like really show the eccentricities of each marijuana leaf that's out there. So that's important. There are people out there who are botanists that who grow weed. That's you're that's a you're a botanist if you grow weed. Yeah. You're not a, a weed dealer, you know what I mean? It's pretty complicated. Like um it's on the ballot in New Jersey for a word? Yeah. So vote weed. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I said vote weed. <laughs> we'll see if it happens. Hey, I heard when I watched the episode you for said sure. you said you weren't gonna vote. So uh is that is that true? Are you not going to participate oh, hell no. in voting? I'm not voting. Oh, really? Okay. I'm not voting. That You don't want me to participate this year. If I vote, I'm voting for T-Rump. Yeah. He gave me $1,200. That's the only thing any president has really done for me in the past 30 years of my life, uh, besides make it hell. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, that wasn't even that much. The $1,200 was an easy sway. It was like, whoa, that's it? No, I'll take it. Fuck it. So, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I just, I'm just so upset with... Uh, the government in the world right now and how everything was being handled, you know, mm-hmm. the whole shit was shut down. And then all of a sudden they had my chase info for the last 13 years. I've been applying taxes and each time I have to tell them what my bank info is, but they've had it this whole time. You know what I mean? Right. I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I don't believe, I don't believe in any of it anymore. I'm a flat earther now. 
<laughs> I'm not a flat earther just because, like, you know, why not? Yeah. Why not? What else is there to do? Right. Well, that's yeah. so true. It's like so the no, year has been so wild with all the yeah. shit thrown at us. Yeah, you don't want me to vote this year. I'm not. I'm not in the right spot spot to vote. I'd be. It'd be a trauma response. All my voting would be trauma responses. Do you get a lot of shit from you people for not voting? For this year, like you tell oh, people, hell yeah. that? people like, oh my God, I've had black people like I got, I got a lot of black friends and black people like, you know, your ancestors walked on March in Washington. And I was like, my mother and father didn't march on, <laughs> march on Washington at all. I know them. They did they did what they did for, for their community and but they didn't specifically march on Washington or you know what I mean? They did different things. I did go to the the Million Man March, the first one. I remember that one. I did do that. that. And that was beautiful. And like you, you participate in different ways. So people who try to tell me I, I don't, I'm dumb for not voting or uh, I'm crazy for not voting. Go fuck off. You know, go, go vote, go vote for the two party system that like, you know, until there's a, a fucking trans gay woman in a wheelchair who him, they, them used to be a plumber and now is a lawyer. Like, you know, somebody who really represents human beings and not just like trickery and the idea of getting around the language and being actually sensitive and caring to our community, then I'm a vote. I'll engage. But until then, I'm not engaging. Mm. I thought it was interesting how you, the take you had on like the president and because the, the level of power the president has. How do you, with uh, your ideas, especially too, I'm sure like you get a lot of pushback about not voting. And then you also too um, stated yeah. that you would support Trump. So it's, you know, he's such yeah. a dividing figure. So, um, yes. how, yeah, it's like you just say his name and people are like triggered either way. Yeah. Yeah. How, do you, how do you use comedy to kind of like work through all this stuff? Well, yeah, when I'm on stage, because, yeah, I am a 6'3 black dude. And like, you know, I, I am well educated, but I still can be very hood. So the expectations of me as a person it depends on the person that you want to see in me, you know? So some people see the six, three black dude and they just want like, we should automatically vote for Joe Biden because he has a black woman running and like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, cool. But also a black woman used to beat my ass every time I got in trouble. So, I don't, <laughs> so is that, is that, is that what I want? You know? So, you know? but, so it's, yeah, it's things like that. Just taking like hot takes on life and like applying it and and really knowing that comedy is drama without the empathy so anything that i'm saying up there if you take it to heart to heart you're not actually at a comedy show you came to see a play oh wow i you know love I mean? that that's so yeah that is so insightful drama without that's so interesting um yeah i i learned i learned that doing uh um uh the pit at the pit like those were like some of the words that's thrown around. I don't, the pit is, I don't know where, the, <clears throat> excuse me, where the pit is at in terms of uh, opening up in um, the People's Improv Theater here in New York City. Yeah. But that's one of the things that I, I took classes there at the UCB. I did like stand up all over. And that's one of the things you like, you learn. Like if, if you come, like that's what, that's, and I guess no other comedian maybe has said it. So we're not able, they haven't been able to translate it, but that's basically what other comedians, they're like, you came to a comedy show. Like you got to drop some of the, the angst and some of the seriousness. I used to tell a joke about um, a fake miscarriage that happened, right? 
Mm-hmm. And it never happened in a story, but so many women would come up like, that's not a good joke to tell. I actually did have a miscarriage. And I'm like, first of all, in the story, I saved the baby. You know what I mean? If you were paying attention, I actually saved the baby. And, <laughs> and number two, you're, you're leaning, you're, you have the empathy in it. You're leaning your emotional value on a, on something I'm trying to actually separate from your emotions and talk only to your, your logical or your like problem solving mind. Wow. You know, but I think I, that's what I, I picked up on that with what, um, in your podcast, how you kind of said, you know, you, you said things that could be viewed as provocative and like emotionally triggering, but then again, how you started to explain like the reality is like looking at our president, that's so inconsequential in the terms of our real everyday mm-hmm. lives and the level of power that he has, yeah. but people get so triggered and become emotional and the emotion just blocks us. It's oh. micro versus macro. It's micro versus macro, you know, like even like Trump can do but so much and we do have power in it. That's, that's fi- even on, on the side of him on Republican sides who don't agree with him. And you, you take a caucus right now of 12 people that you know well and try to get them to agree on a restaurant. On a restaurant, uh, other like you know me, twelve people that you know well, not even twelve people that come from different walks of life, twelve people you know well, and on a on a random Wednesday, everyone would be like, "Oh, I want to go to Fazul's. No, I want to go to fucking Panda Express. No, I want to like you know what I mean? Yeah. And like so, if you can't get them to agree on that, like, and a lot of people, what I feel like is that we don't talk to people we disagree with a lot. We only talk to people we agree with, like you know, and I think that's that's one of the most problematic things, and that's one of the things that politics does teach me. It's like I disagree with you, but we have to work together, right? Because what's the alternative? Yeah. You think about like, you know, it's very basic in terms like there's only a few political systems that we really could have: anarchy, monarchy, oh, is, democracy. Is you know, is there? Is there? Yeah, well, I'm talking like, again, broadly, if you think about broadly, like when you look at democracy, we have a very specific type of democracy. There's other types like a parliamentary yeah. democracy. But I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. you're thinking broadly in terms of living in a society. OK, you could have no government yeah. where everybody just kind of does their own thing. Uh-huh. and takes care of themselves. You could have uh-huh. one person making all the decisions or you could have this open discord of democracy where everyone can kind of say and you got to come to a resolution, like kind of mimicking your point about your 12 friends coming together for deciding on a restaurant. It's going to yeah. be impossible. But then, OK, so do you just get to decide, you know, like where's the resolution? It's. What I wanted to say to you really, and what I've been thinking about recently, and it's not just because I smoke, but (laughs) it's because my mind is open and smoking actually relaxes a lot of the anxiety that I have for me. Um, But maybe there's a system that we don't know about. And only because we're taught that money in exchange for things, like I, I was on a train the other day. I finally started like getting a couple of days of work here and there. It's 5 a.m. in the morning and the train is packed in New York. Everyone has on masks. And I almost became the yelling person. I was about to be like, you guys fought for this? We fought and argued to go back to slaving ourselves? That's, we, we, don't, we only know what we're taught. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe there's, maybe there's anarchy, maybe there's democracy, and maybe there's, what, dictatorship, but then maybe there's something else. But 
because I've been growing up in this oppressive society yeah. and I can only give trauma responses, I don't know. Yeah. It's this, you know, but I think like, again, if we're looking at things like, again, like how can oh, people be all engaged? What, what way could we have everybody? Cause again, the ultimate thing is having a system where everyone is as equal as possible and as valued as possible, you know? Um, so you brought up the masks. You Is that your ultimate feeling? Is that what you feel? You feel like everybody should, you feel like everybody should have a say and everybody should be equal. I believe every human is human. And I'm much uh, a believer in like, if we can have everyone as equalized as possible and allow everybody the opportunity to kind of, like you said, have discord, like we're not going to agree, but at least if you can explain where you're coming from to me, then you can like, I can tap into my connection and I can really understand what you're trying to say. Then it's easier for you to compromise with someone. So in my opinion, like I'm like, in terms of other ways of having our government, like I think about, okay, we could have a monarchy, which is like historically what's existed. It's still very common or like where one person makes all the decisions. And I'm like, I feel like that's too dangerous. You know, giving anybody all kinds of power over others is very, you know, unsettling. And then anarchy makes me worried because it's like, I don't, I think we're all interconnected beings, you know, like I feel like I'm not isolated. Like I'm connected to you because we're human and energy. And I mean, again, then we're getting into morality and spirituality and going down that weird path, you know, (laughs) very weird path. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is a weird path, but again, it's like, why is like my version interpretation wrong? It's just how I see things compared to you. So it's like to be able to share that and have this dialogue. And then ultimately, like, again, you might say something that would convince me like, oh, let's do it your way because I understand it. I might not experience it directly, but the way you shared it with me, because like, again, tapping into people's empathy. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. like comedy is a great way to tap into empathy, but people also have to recognize there's a larger message. I, I don't know if who will, who will watch this, but I, maybe I'll put this in my set, but I often lie to make it funny. Like, you know, I, I embellish the truth to make it funny. Did these two things happen on the same day? No. But when I tell them and they happen on the same day, it makes it funny. It's for you. It's like, I don't come to the first date dressed like a bum like you know i sit in my house with sweatpants eating cheetos watching projector fucking films smoking a bowl and shit you know that you see me (laughs) but i got up i fucking greased my beard and i put on nice clothes and i came out to hang out with you but you know deep down inside i fart come on you know that so it's like you gotta you gotta give way as well to my to my i guess my my existential farts if you will i feel like as people we've gotten to be like forgetful of the idea that people are complicated and we're not we're perfectly imperfect you know and that's where it's yeah. like again, this idea of cancel culture coming in like you could be multiple things like you could be the sexy guy on the first date and then you can also be the guy f- home farting you know what i mean like yeah. that's the beauty <laughs> of humanity Right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a dichotomy. I released an album called Revolutionary Ratchet, and it was just about my dichotomy as a human being growing up, both revolutionary and ratchet. And like, which one is which? You have to decide which is which. If I carry a gun, am I being revolutionary or ratchet? And it's also depending on who the gun is aimed at. Do you have a gun? I've been trying to get a license for a gun. I'm from New York, so like, if I was from another state, 
I'd have been had a gun. But New York, they make it so difficult. You said you have anxiety. Is anxiety something for you that just kind of always been present in your life? No, 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 no. Definitely the police presence brought anxiety in my life. I uh, definitely growing up in the city and like riding like, like I went to school and then coming back and sort of being ostracized by for trying to educate myself because because the neighborhood being a part of the neighborhood meant more than growing away from it because usually people who grow don't stay in the neighborhood people take the resources away so i didn't i definitely didn't want to be that kind of person i wanted to keep the resources in the neighborhood but the anxiety that i feel like i felt is because of yeah i i, I i'm constantly like aggressed by the police and the police approached me the other day like I say the other day now, this is one of those comedy moments, like the other day, but this is actually like eight months ago, but they gave me four tickets on an e-scooter and it adds up to $1,800 What on an e-scooter. And I'm like, that to me, that to me is like, that causes me anxiety knowing that I can walk out at any time and just try to have fun. And a cop can't understand me as a 35 year old person shouldn't like has like an understanding of the law and can lapse and make mistakes but making four tickets at one traffic stop for an e-scooter that adds up to eighteen hundred dollars to me maybe to somebody else who has eighteen hundred dollars to just expenditure for that it's different but for me I feel aggressed. I feel angry I feel like I want to explode so I'm like I have to I, I get weed that keeps me up spiritually, but keeps my mind like floating and even and like eighteen hundred. That's it's crazy. That's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and that's that to me is not humanity, and that to me is not the law, and that to me is not how the law should be used, and that's why I'm hurting. That's why I'm constantly waking up. Like, all right, it, I tell jokes mo- mainly because like I was a naturally funny guy, but people found me funny because I just. I just I was just withdrawn from life and yeah. I just found life like like fuck this shit so I, I'll say shit that that's really on my mind because I'm like what's 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 the alternative me growing up worse than I did what's the alternative I'm gonna have less money than I have right now you know what I mean like well you know that's okay <laughs> so I I feel I feel less inclined to have to hold my tongue because I know where I've come from, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I know this is sort of the, the matrix. This is all, all sort of the matrix. And as long as I'm like physically respectful to people, I'm not breaking those kind of laws. I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, you know, look, I, I'm, a, I'm a freedom of speech fighter. I fight for the freedom of speech. That's the one thing I feel like I fight for. Well, with, with that said though, tell your fans to hit up my cash app. Yeah, <laughs> now I'm going to put all, music, all your information you know I mean? in your bio, the link to, in your bio on the, so that yeah. way, yeah, you do have, you're really creative and you're really musical. What, what did you start first, comedy or music? Like, how did you become involved in arts and creativity? Yeah, I started professionally pursuing music first, but I was, I was like taking acting classes. I was doing acting, uh, I went to school for acting, but I was like, from high school, I did music, you know? And then when I went to college, the music program wasn't like, it was shitty. And if you didn't want to pursue, like, if you wanted to pursue a hip hop career, most likely it'd be like, quit school, you know? And I didn't want to, I wanted higher education, you know? Uh, so I started a club called Hip Hop and Beyond at my school where 
we was teaching cats about hip hop, how to use the the engineering programs plus rap. I went out to England. Um, I interned at the at the at the what the fuck was that theater? Uh, no, I went to school at the Globe Theater while I was in England, but I interned at the Stanley House Recording Studio. Wow. So, like, while I was educating myself about acting, I was like, I was just being a musician. I wasn't like. It wasn't as it wasn't as like form fitting like that. It was just like it lives through me. So music and acting lives in two different places, but I'm passionate about both. But people seem to like they love my acting shit. So I just try to go with what works. You know what what works for you spiritually. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. But yeah. whatever I'm gonna lead with out there in the world, what works for the audience, what they want to see. What makes you feel the most vulnerable? Actually, the most vulnerable, I would say, is like writing like essays and like writing like I've had to like, like I, again, I, my thesis on um, on music was hip hop uh, was uh, speaking in tongues to speaking over drums. And that was my McNair scholarship thesis. And so for me, like doing stuff like that, be, being educated about shit that people would usually think is like some hood shit. You know, that that's a vulnerable place for me because black art and art that comes from my community, I hold it to a high regard. So, you know, I don't to be able to explain that shit to other people and be able to be like, I'm explaining some dope shit to you. I want to be able to say that to, to Joe Biden and he take it the right way. I want him to be able to say that to my, 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 my aunts and my cousins and they take it the right way spiritually to be able to translate that. So that's what that's where I'm most vulnerable. I feel like when I'm writing my words out in prose and in essay form to 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 speak knowledge. Like is it relevant just to you or are you trying to connect everyone to like this universal experience? Yeah, you already said earlier like we're all one. So like what I'm writing about like it's in your heart already. Like it's in your those feelings now the experiences I may experience to get to that place may be different. But now as a 30, I'm 38 right now. Yeah, I'm learning about boundaries in the last two years. Only because as definitionally in a way to explain, just being like, I need some space. I don't want to fuck with you right now. That's, that's, that's boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, some, that's boundaries right there. Yo, I, don't, I ain't fucking with you right now. That's boundaries. But we don't process it like boundaries. We process it like this dude right here is mad or angry or, you know, so learning how to be like, learning how to like say my boundaries and all of that shit, that, that, that right there is the, the, the expression, the, 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 the moving forward of, of what I write about. But I'm working right now, I'm working on a, on my, on my collection of stories called Crack Baby. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, if I'll, if I'll ever release it, but I'm writing it for my own spiritual self things like can be very triggering for people. Like you said, like they'll get angry or whatever, but they're coming from their ego. Humbled during comedy. It's just, oh, like acting is beautiful. It pays a lot for me. Music, I travel everywhere, meet uh, beautiful people. But comedy, oh man, it keeps me fucking grounded and humble. I'm just like, I got to find a way to tell, I got to find a way to make someone laugh about this very traumatic experience. I tell a joke about, I think you said tell two jokes. One of them is about my mom's dying, you know what I mean? My mom's died and it was sad. Yeah, yeah, it was sad. And then um, like, I've had 
tons of girls stopped calling me, but she's the first one who ever ghosted me that really made me sad. And you know what I mean? And when I, when I do that on stage, people are like, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> ghosted. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and they don't know how to feel, you know? Yeah. Um, that's 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 what that's where you get humbled at right there. Like, you know, it's a humbling experience to try to tap into that darkness and, like, relate that to someone. Because everyone's parents are going to die. And everyone's going to die. Right. And that's just something like, <gasps> it's a, it's something you panic about, but also it's like, it humbles you. And like, how can I laugh about this? Cause it's an experience that we all, we all fart, we all death, we all taxes, we all relationship. Now, how do I boil these things out to like the different dot points that each person experiences them and then put them all together? Like, and then that's when you get comics like of the generation, cause they can they have different pivot points. They grew up harsh, but maybe they they learned along the way, you know? And that's what I'm trying to be. I'm the second funniest comedian in the world, you know? So, okay, the second funniest. Second. So I want to know who, in your opinion, is the first number one. I literally, I, I go for silver. You think I actually care enough to know, who, know who's number one? I don't know. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. You're just I don't like... fucking know. I'm, I'm rooting for me. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm Joe Biden, Kamala Harris right here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Joe Biden, 2016, Kamala Harris, 2020. I'm the vice president, yo. <laughs> I think that's a good role. I think vice I'm, president I'm cool is the job that. that people should all aspire to because literally you have no power, no real responsibility, but you get like this cool title. I, I'm fucking chilling, bro. Uh, I'm in the car. I'm telling you which way to go, but you're driving. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a great time. <laughs> Oh, I wanted to hey, ask go to, you. Nah, you fucked up, man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you said you do, um, with comedy, uh, do you think, because you said you're personally trying to establish your own boundaries in life, which, again, is like a hard thing to learn in life. You know, I don't think it, we're socialized to have respect for other boundaries and our own boundaries. So what about comedy? Do you think there should be boundaries True. in comedy? This is a tricky question for me. This is a tricky question. The answer is yes, but when you don't keep those boundaries, it better be funny. If it don't make people laugh and you didn't keep the boundaries, you're, you're now, that's the risk of comedy. So when people lash back at some of the stuff and that's the, you know, that's the, that's the point. That's the purpose. And that's, what's going to happen. But yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep certain, you got, I feel like when I'm on stage, I want the audience to be on my team, on my side, even when I talk shit. So like, if we're playing, like how I deal with my friends, if I'm roasting my friend, my friend should know that if somebody else comes and roast him, I'm roasting that person because we, you know, we're just roasting each other for sharpening sharpens, but I will go in on that other person. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to be yelling at you on my team because I need you motivated. I need you to believe in our team together. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want to create certain boundaries. And then when I step over those boundaries, oh man, it's gotta be fucking funny, dog. That's just, you know, that's just my rule. What are some of the, uh, what, what joke would you have? Because like I said, I did have, you talked about how your mom passed it. Is that the joke that you feel you're uncomfortable telling or the audience? Like it's really like a 50-50 with how the audience is going to take it. The, no, the, the audience usually, because I use, okay, oh shit. Uh, 
it's hard it's hard to tell it like jokes like we're talking and then be go joke joke and then pop up you know yeah. but when i used to tell it like i'm like i'm like oh man i'm telling a, a story i'm like uh, i'm telling a another story and then i pop in like hey guys my mom died and then everyone's like oh, fuck and i'm like yeah it's just been on my mind um because the story is about no homo. I told the story about no homo. Every Everything you always had to say, no homo, no homo, no homo. Then I'm like, my mom's died. I remember that time. I cried on my boy's shoulder. He was like, no homo. And everyone's like, ah. And then I do the ghosted mom one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a series of jerking around the, the audience. And where I leave them taking the more information. I mean, it's so so it's uncomfortable for both of us it's uncomfortable but i've become more comfortable with it because it's my life story yeah so that's where it humbles me and i'm like i know this story i know what the story is i'd be able to tell it but most people if they're hearing it for the first time they get the information it's like oh they're humbled with me they're they're back where i where i was feeling and then i snap them into the future into the present of what i'm talking about now and they're like oh this is where the laughter comes from you know uh what do you think too of like boundaries that (laughs) Like when you hear, cause I feel like you got to really work through bits. Like, especially when you're dancing on the edge of like those boundaries, like you said, you're like, you got to make it funny. Yeah. Like sometimes you have to work yeah. through it and you know, it's not going to be funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like yeah. that's like, it's an uncomfortable place to be in, but it's like, if you do yeah. it, you can really push something out. That's pretty cool. So what would be one of those types of jokes or what is a topic that you would joke about? That's really, really like on the fringe for you. Uh, I've been joking about feminism recently and how I don't like how non-inclusive feminism is. And I'm like, we should be more inclusive. Like, so I want to have like, um, I'm creating a group called masculinist and we're a group of men and women who accept all and, you know, and I'm still working on it, but so I don't do it as much, but the idea, cause once you say I'm against feminism, people are like, <gasps> but then you're like, I'm against all labels. They're like, Oh, but since I have to have a label, I want to be a masculinist. <gasps> what is that? You know? And so I can tell a story now. So that's a place where, yeah, I am a six, three black guy. And if I just talk about, if I say anything about him, her, they, if I say anything about LGBTQ, I gotta be. I got to be ready to be on point with it. I, you know, I got to be ready to, to, to talk about it and actually have a valid point and, and not, again, for me, maybe other people are different, not ostracize my audience, but bring them in and, and joke with them about the scenario of my feelings on it. So what's your view on cancel culture? You got to cancel some people, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to get canceled. <laughs> That's all. I just I want to at least make a check first before I get canceled. Because <laughs> they canceling everybody. <laughs> I'm like, shit, y'all canceling everybody. But, you know, everything is under a large microscope right now. So it is what it is. Uh, I don't control any of this shit. I just control this little ecosphere. Right. Just the world that you live in, which is yeah. your body. And, you know, you got to be at peace with yourself and that's it. Yeah. You know, seek your joy, find your joy, find your creativeness. You know, what has been the best thing about yeah. doing comedy for you? The best thing about doing comedy? Just, yeah, I guess the stories, being a storyteller. Like you get to tell stories and get real, uh, what's the word? Um, exact, precise. 
Yeah. You get to tell all the details and like the details matter. This is one of the, like those places like when I'm up there, I'm like making a fine tailored suit. Uh, you know, I don't, I want it to look like a fine tailored suit or even a, a nice good pair of denim jeans. I don't, I don't want something shabby and uneven and like, you know, there's holes unintentionally there. Everything about it, I want it to be well-crafted. I love it. Well, again, yeah. I hope you guys, everybody listening, I hope you get a chance to see Oheni live. Yeah. Again, his jokes are really well-crafted and we love yeah, yeah. having you today as a guest. I was hoping if you could just plug anything like where we can find you on social media and your yeah. upcoming show. Yeah, I got two shows coming up. November 6th, where it's a private show, so don't worry about that. November 14th, we're at Unruly Collective, 200 Cooper Street. Uh, come through uh, 7 p.m. It's myself, Smokes and Jokes, and Big Chuckles production. So it's a Smokes and Chuckles production. Throwing a show together. My boy, Renee Fuentes. Uh, we're doing uh, a, a combination show. Alex Carabano is headlining. Lazaro Rivero is the host. Uh, we got some interesting comedians in between. Uh, you can go on Smokes and Jokes Comedy on Instagram, Smokes and Jokes uh, Comedy on YouTube, the podcast, type in Oheni, Oheni Cornelius. If you type in my name on YouTube or Google and nothing comes up, I haven't done my job. So just type in Oheni Cornelius. You can spell it any way you want to, and I will still come up. <laughs> That's awesome. You covered all your bases. Well, we are so grateful that you were able to take time out of your really busy schedule to talk with us. And it was really enjoyable. And I you offered so much awesome insight. Oh, thank you so much. This was great. Yeah, thank you so much. And like again, we hope to see you soon. Are uh, you will. Peace. Okay.